It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOT podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts at seabock.com. Welcome. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lookabaugh, Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant and Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach. If you are in or getting into the industrial organizational psychology field and you feel a little lost in the crowd, you're looking for support to jumpstart your career, blaze your IO path, and maybe get the answers that your degree program never gave you about what it's actually like to work as an IO psych practitioner, check out CBOC's IO Career Pathfinder membership at cboc.com. If you're a more established IO practitioner, check out our expert membership to showcase your expertise, build your brand, and be part of our initiatives. Do you lead a university's IO or applied IO psychology program? Go to cboc.com, get in touch to partner with us to build your program's brand and get solid real-world support for your students. Let us do the heavy lifting for their engagement and experiences. And businesses, get in touch. We've got the bank of experts you need for coaching, consultation, and program development and execution. Please subscribe to the podcast because it helps us out and it helps the field of I.O. Also, today, we have Tom Bradshaw with us, a voice and speech coach and a damn good actor, too. He is the official voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Work Cookie, our weekly gatherings of IOs, OCs, HR, recruiters, and one actor, as we try to make the world of work just a little bit better. And today, I I, I love most of our topics, but especially this one, because we're going to talk about the power of workplace storytelling to amplify employer branding. And Dr. Oriana, you're going to be actually leading us today. So what kind of information have you discovered, or where do you want to take this discussion today? Yeah, absolutely. I'm really interested in what everyone else has to say on storytelling and branding. But to kick off our discussion, I looked at a few different articles on the topic, academic articles, and then one Harvard Business Review article as well. So I'll share some of the topics from those scholarly articles, and hopefully it will jog some people's insights, and then we'll have a rich discussion. So with that, um, the first the first and one of the most well-cited articles on the topic is called The Essential Brand Persona, Storytelling and Branding. And in this article, they mention that whether or not you're dealing with product brands or company brands, they say that storytelling is essential to successful branding. Since your brand is the sum of all your corporate behaviors and communications that inform your customers' experiences with your product or company. They go on to say that this brand persona creates a long-lasting emotional bond with the audience because it's instantly recognizable and also memorable. And they even cite a few companies that they feel do this well, such as Nike, Disney, and FedEx. And then there's another article entitled The Role of Storytelling in Building a Brand. And through this study, they find that there were various elements that comprised a good brand story. And these include facets such as authenticity, benefits, first-person narrator, and sense of humor. They say that storytelling gives us an opportunity to differentiate our product and make consumers less sensitive for a price. So that's kind of interesting. 
Mm-hmm. And then the last one I'll mention as we're kicking this off is an article called Storytelling in the Organization Brand Development and Personal Brand Construction in the Perspective of Symbolic Conscious. So that's a very fascinating title. And they say they encourage us to connect to the story's significance to an individual's personal development journey in the personal brand construction process. And they say that storytelling proves its relevance in the perspective of an enlarged rationality as a part of the brand recognition process is instrumental in cultivating emotional processes as well as rational processes that influence the buyer's feeling and attachment to the brand. Yeah, I'm I'm so thrilled that business has woken up. <laughs> As an actor, you know, we've been telling stories for a very long time. And as human beings, you know, one of the first things we did was gather around the fire and tell stories and share that. So do you think we're, you know, ingrained to having stories and narrative as part of our, our existence? I do. I think so. Some people define even the ego development process as a meaning-making process, and stories are really instrumental for us. We can have a lot of facts and knowledge, but putting it together is kind of like the application into storytelling, where we can understand things at a different level through that embodied experience. And even you know, in the film industry, where you know narrative and storytelling has always been part of it, we've really actually seen more focus on the narrative and storytelling ability. But aren't we? You know, do we sort of have you know? two things we have to consider here. One is that you have to create good stories. And number Mm -hmm. two is you have to be able to tell good stories. So, you know, where is the gap for most people in, you know, because, you know, narrative and more stories is, is great advice, but how do we actually implement that? How do we find the stories? And there's some advice I'm sure that, you know, in those articles, but then how do we actually relate stories so that we are authentic? so that, you know, we are believable. Um, Any advice on on those? Yeah, so some of the things I saw in the literature and just have seen in my personal consulting experience as well is it can be really powerful to look at your own why for, let's say you're CEO of a company. Well, why did you get into the space that you did? And most likely there's a powerful story even right there. You know, people, especially who are designing their own company, have a reason for doing so. There's a reason that they stand behind their product or devoting a large amount of energy and resources towards it. So that's a great way to start with a baseline story of your own development journey and what got you to where you are today. And that really resonates with people. And sometimes we feel like our stories are not that powerful or we're just like everyone else, but no one is exactly like you. And people really like hearing even like, those underdog stories where you had a challenge and then you overcame. Then other examples are you can source employee stories. You can see what, how employees have been engaged with your company and how that's felt for them and connect it back to your mission and values. You can source customer stories. Um, but you could also just create a new story that exemplifies what you believe in and what you're about. And you see that sometimes people do that in their marketing and actually creating videos. I think videos are a really powerful way even if they're created by actors, which we do like, Tom. Um, I think those are a few examples, but I'd obviously love to hear from our audience as well. Yeah, and I've said a lot. Hire an IO psychologist, and today I'm going to be going, hire an actor. Uh, Dr. Martha, let's go to you. Hire an actor, indeed. That was the first thing I thought of when I saw the topic for today. You know, obviously, Tom, as you had mentioned, storytelling goes back to 
the beginning of humans coming together and and sitting around that fire and telling stories and there are so many reasons for that so many benefits for doing that from passing along knowledge from one generation to the next to um, sharing things that maybe save your life or help your survival or help you succeed in business as it might be in today's day and age but storytelling takes information takes data and makes it so that it's easier to understand and easier to remember if any of you remember uh, from school you may have been fortunate enough to have a teacher who told you if you want to remember a long list of words let's say make up a story about it and that will help you to remember all those words and so this is kind of ingrained in us in the sense that storytelling can make uh, data retention and recollection of facts that much easier but it also allows us to connect on an, a mo more emotional level if you are uh, in front of a speaker who is just sharing information just sharing dry data with you if you manage to stay awake how much of that will you remember versus if that data was conveyed in a good story and even better a story that evoked an emotional response in you so we have had this going for us in terms of our species for a very long time and i think it's the successful organizations that know the value of this right certainly hollywood knows the value of it before there was film we had stories through books right before that we had uh, oral tradition <clears throat> so this has been with us for such a long time it's surprising how many organizations haven't caught on yet but the ones that are successful have and it's it's one thing to tell a story it's another thing to tell a story well to captivate the audience and to make it into a good story i think you can take two different people with two different skill levels tell the same story or convey the same information and one will put you to sleep and the other one will captivate you and maybe even engage you emotionally so this is where organizations would do well to employ people who are naturally talented in storytelling to help them convey whatever it is that they want to convey to help them come up with a story that resonates with their employees with their customer base with whoever their audience intended audience is so storytelling i'm as excited as you are or or almost as you are tom about this topic because it can be so so powerful and yet so many people uh, unfortunately so many organizations do miss out on it they certainly do and, and let me ask you because you know I've experienced both as an actor and as a professional speaker that if I can get the audience on side with me emotionally, if I can connect with them, taking them to action is really easy. So what is it about connecting with our emotions that's so effective? Well, think about how many things that we do are emotionally driven. Have you ever eaten because you're stressed out or sad or happy? Have you ever gone shopping because you're bored? Have you ever done whatever, fill in the blank because of fill in the blank of an emotion, right? This is such a big part of humanity. So it would, it's almost a shame not to use it. What does advertising and marketing do? 
it gets you emotionally somewhere, whether it's a pain point, whether it's something that you envy or you wish you had or you wish you looked like or whatever it is. They get those emotions going through their own storytelling, even if it's a 30-second story, right? They get you connected with that, and hopefully they get enough people to open up their purse strings and buy whatever their product is. So storytelling and emotional connections, that's a given. That's that's like a no-brainer, and the marketing people have figured that out a while back. Yeah, people don't buy the car with the best safety features. They buy the car that makes them feel good. Uh, (laughs) Red sports car. Uh, Linda Ann, let's go to you. I, too, love this topic. And um, I think that one of the things that's really important initially before you start telling stories is you have to identify who you want to be as that employer. What do you want people saying about you as an employer behind your back? You know, when they're talking, when that employee um, former employee for whatever reason that they left, what are they saying about you as an employer? Um, and, and then once you, uh, decide that you need to understand what you want to communicate about it. And then do you have, is it what your audience wants? Like, is your target audience, um, have you identified what they want to hear? What's important to them before you start telling stories so that you get the right message to the audience that you're that you're targeting. And then um, and then do you have the juice to deliver it? Right. Can you make good on it? And um, and then how does that differentiate you from anybody else in the in your particular market segment? You know, and uh, for me, when I work with a company or when I'm in the company, when you're talking about employer branding, you know, I go to the recruiting process and that's a, a big topic these days. And for me, it's always about what do we do uh, in developing your professional growth and your success? So one story I have for that is um, I was working in it with a team and the one individual had come to me as a temp, as an administrative temp. She'd been great. She didn't have a lot of education or background. She'd worked with me for a while, for a year or two or whatever, and wanted the opportunity to be the marketing rep. So I gave her that opportunity to be the marketing rep. And she had the tools and she had the knowledge, but she didn't have the skill set, right? She ended up not succeeding at that. So I pulled her back, put her in her old job. We had somebody else come in and do the marketing rep. When the next opportunity came, she wanted that opportunity. I gave her that opportunity again. And yet, and the thing that was her downfall was that she couldn't manage her time. She kept, she wanted to succeed so badly. She kept over-promising, right? So I met with her every day for like two months and we would plan our next day and evaluate and, and critique how she was going through that. She ended up being enormously successful and eventually was the director of development for um, the Red Cross in the area. So it went from just being a temp for an administrative assistant to being very successful. And so if you can deliver on what you uh, spout, um, that makes a huge difference. Yes, it certainly does. And good story. (laughs) Dr. Matthew, let's go to you. Storytelling conveys culture. It conveys values, identity, and experiences. 
it's a powerful tool for connecting employees, customers, even potential candidates. So, hey, all you business leaders out there saying, why do I need storytelling? It can attract and retain your top talent. You can be that leader that every employee, that every top talent person around says, I want to go work for them. It's because of how you tell that story. Storytelling shares the why of your organization and it connects it to what motivates and, and engages people. It it motivated and engaging engaged employees are generally more productive. So again, hey, all you senior leaders out there listening, motivated and engaged employees are generally more productive. Storytelling can help motivate and engage them. I think back to when I was finishing my dissertation uh, for my doctorate, and I chose to do qualitative research. So within within research, you have qualitative, you have quantitative. And you have a mix of both. And I have a lot of mine was heavily focused on the qualitative. It was the storytelling. I looked at managers' experiences over the last three or four years as they've navigated this new world that they are trying to, to handle, that everybody's trying to handle. The role of the manager had completely changed. Without storytelling, the information that you gather at the end is managers are, are stressed. Managers are burned out. Great. So where do we go from that? But the storytelling behind it, the asking the the open-ended questions, getting their experiences, hearing them tell their experience and their story allowed that research, allowed that data to pull out so much more and, and really shine a huge spotlight on this is a new world that this particular, that everybody's dealing with. But here are the specific challenges that this very critical, very key part of your organization, this is what they are experiencing. And if you don't address this right away, here's going to be the next problem or the next challenge that you collectively are going to be facing. And so it was that storytelling that that really energized and engaged and pushed that personal and professional development um, aspect. And, and when we look at middle manager development, asking those open-ended questions that can provide so much data, good storytelling and good researchers take that and bring it to life. It captures the attention and engages and connects to what you're doing and to why you're doing it. You know, Dr. Jeremy is often fond of saying, you know, IO psychology is the oldest profession you've never heard of. Um, do we need to tell more stories about IO psychology? Would that be an effective way to get the word out? Absolutely. I cannot agree with you more, Tom. It's storytelling, storytelling, storytelling. That is how we share exactly as, as you and Dr. Jeremy said, the oldest profession that nobody knows about. Why don't they know about it? We're not telling the stories. Let's go tell the stories. Let's go get it out there in that in that plain language that anybody can understand and have somebody go, oh, wait, that's what you do? That's really impactful. I want to learn more. Yeah, the, <laughs> the IO Psychology Book of Fables. Uh, let's go to one of my favorite storytellers, Lee, over to you. you know, I want to touch on, on that real quick because, you know, I, I think the story is out there, but it's just not complete because, you know, all these IO people that I've met who've done all these amazing things, but it wasn't called IO. It was called process improvement, work development, coaching, you know, all these things, which are all part. They're, they're chapters in the book. And, you know, you know, and I say this all the time. It's my favorite quote by, by, by Dr. Pat is, you've got to explain the joke. It's not funny. So quite often people don't even try. They just say, I'm doing work development. And so later on, maybe down the road, it goes and and you know, and, and a regular on here, uh, Jeannie talking about in her job, at first she's like, Ayo, Ayo, and they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. But then she started, she 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 backed off and started with the I have an idea, I have some input, 
type something. And all of a sudden, people are like, hmm, she knows something. How do you know all this stuff? And then it's like, well, let me tell you something. And that's when, you know, people start realizing this IO thing is that there's a thing there. And they start asking those questions. And then all of a sudden, people are starting to realize, hey, there's a thing. And, and you know, and again, that comes back to storytelling. And of course, you know, as, just, as Tom alluded to, I love to tell stories. You know, as far as I'm concerned, stories are a pneumatic, you know, device. You, you, uh, most of the time you guys say something and my brain goes, ping, I remember a story about that because that's how often how we remember things. I mean, think about presentations, seminars, anything you got up there. Somebody gets up there. I mean, God, we've all seen death by PowerPoint. This and this and this. What was that about? I don't know. Didn't get anything from it. But when somebody gets up there and they engage you, it's one of the beautiful things about TED Talks, you know, is that you know, those people are engaging and you're watching what you want to, to hear about. And they're telling you about experiences. And, you know, it's my perception. This is what happened to me. This is what happened to little Johnny. Whatever the case may be, we have that. And so you make that connection. And you're going, I can relate to that. As opposed to giving me bullet points and just reading off a list. And I'm going, I don't even know the words you're saying. I don't, I don't get that. And, you know, and so I, I tell stories in this in this forum more than just to make Dr. Dr. Martha laugh. That's just a great side effect. But the um, because that's how we do things. I love to think of myself as a storyteller. Somebody, talk, somebody asked me about that one time. And I said, you know, everything is a story. Every event, everything that happens in the human experience is a story. What's different is, can you tell it? And can you tell it in an engaging way? Because sure, I can tell you the story, but do I list it out as in, this is the order of events. I left my house at 742. I drove to the end of the street. You know, God, who wants to hear that? Oh my Lord, shoot me now. But if you're like, yeah, you know, as I was pulling out of my neighborhood, this dog ran in front of me and, you know, and you start, people are like, oh, what, what happened? Is the dog okay? You know, because now I'm engaged. Now we've made that connection. And you know, there's so much to that. And it's and it's a personal thing. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're talking, me talking to Tom or me in a room full of people giving a presentation. I am talking to each of you. And, you know, and, and I'm sure Tom can can talk about this from a you know professional speaker kind of thing, is that when you are in that forum, you're looking around and you are trying to make that connection with the people that you're speaking to. I'm not talking to one guy. I'm talking to Dr. Ariana. I'm talking to Aaron. I'm talking to Dr. Matt, you know. And I'm looking for those keys. Am, am I losing you or are you or, or am I pulling you in? And then maybe I'll try a little bit different tacks. So maybe I can, you know, oh, Dr. Ariana's starting to she's starting to fade. I need to pull her in. And so I try to change up something to, to bring it in. And that's that is the real key on the storytelling is to make that personal um, because, you know, communication, sender, receiver, message. You lose the receiver. The message doesn't matter. A hundred percent. And if yeah, if your audience is falling asleep, you ain't doing your job. Uh, Nick, let's go to you. I think it is fascinating that, you know, it's supposed to be this big revolutionary idea that storytelling works and matters, particularly in marketing and branding. But then we go back to cavemen around fires and all of that. So it's it's been around. It's, it's wired into us um, as the social creatures we are. And so when we think about using it, you know, taking taking it off the shelf and, and dusting off the storytelling you know it, your story is going to get told one way or another do you want to have input into it 
or are you going to just be a footnote in in somebody else's? I think when we talk about employer branding, um, I think it was Lindan who mentioned the recruiting process. It is brutal, and the stories that are told about employers don't come out favorably for those who were like, "Well, they left me on hold for six weeks, and then you know said thanks, but no thanks." You know, you can tell that story of, "Well, I I got the interview; they were really respectful." Uh, we decided to part ways because they were looking for X and I have more of Y. And so I know that takes a personal touch and a lot of investment from recruiters, from salespeople, from marketers. But that investment is one, natural, and two, completely worthwhile. Because if you get a chance to control the story, you can then find out the the important elements um, and keep refining it. You you can tell the same story eight different ways. And you know, maybe you have to to reach all of your, your stakeholders uh, as well. So storytelling goes on all the time, even if a company realizes or not. And if you don't like the narrative, you know, if you don't like the story, maybe you need to change the narrative. Um, and that's easily doable. Natasha, welcome to Work Cookie. Let's go to you. Natasha, are you with us? I you am. I am. I am. <laughs> Give me one second there. Was right. walking in the house. Yes. Good afternoon, everyone. And thank you again for having me. So I think. I want to go back to a comment that a few people made before. Um, and I think for me, when I think about employer branding, I always say this to executives and leaders that I work with. Um, we are not who we say we are. We are who our employees say we are. So we can have a handbook. We can have policies that say, this is who we are. We do not condone harassment of any type or um, toxic, hostile work environment, et cetera. But if our employees are experiencing just that, guess what? That is who you, that is who you are. And that is the story that our employees are going to tell about us. And so I think that, yes, brand management and storytelling is very important but how we go about crafting, um, how we go about controlling that narrative solely or a huge part of that depends on the thing, the behaviors that we tolerate, the people that we hire, fire, promote, um, et cetera. And I say this to say from a place of experience, and I'll, and I'll tell this story real quickly. Um, during COVID, um, everybody we all know, um, we all know what everyone was experiencing in the workplace. And um, I was in charge of redesigning a new employee orientation program. And part of it was designing a postcard. My goal there was ensuring that any person joining the organization, the moment that they could click play on that postcard, they already feel like they're a part of the organization. Um, they're not anticipating, they're not just anticipating their start date. They already feel like they belong. They already feel like our organization is home. And initially, I was going to write a segment about who we are as an organization and ask a few employees to read it. Then I took a step back and said, why tell them what to say? I want to know what they have to say. So we put out a call organization-wide. This is what we're working on. Who wants to come on? And 
employees from all levels, executives to the mailroom coming on and saying, hey, you know what? I've always been curious about journaling and meditation. In my very first week of starting at this organization, HR put out a call saying for a meditation session about closing out the, 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 the current year and starting a fresh or a newer, but not. And just listening to what staff had to say and putting those bits together and formulating one story that we were able to broadcast and put out there. And one of the recipients of that postcard was our incoming COO, who literally said, I felt like I was a part of this organization and it did not even feel like a company to me. It really felt like I was being part of a movement when I watched that video. Um, Our employees tell the story. They tell it on Glassdoor. They tell it to their friends when their friends say, hey, can you give me a referral? Or I saw this opening. I'd like to apply. If I were you, I would not. Because, yes, certainly, I would love to be your referral. Managers, middle managers, executives, we control that narrative, not by telling our employees what to say or hiring actors, but doing what we have to do, which is ensuring that they have the psychological safety, that they have all the tools to be developed, to do their work, um, great benefit packages, whatever it is that we provide the people who are engaged in the work that brings up our bottom line, take care of the people, the people will take care of your bottom line, and they will also take care of the storytelling for you. So you're actually implementing, you know, what's known as a story circle, and you're telling a much bigger, better, and more in-depth story of the organization. That's really cool. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, putting it that way, um, yes, but I think that Think about storytelling as gossip, good or bad. People are going to tell a story. If something happened, we're going to call the next person next door. Did you hear what just happened in that meeting or what have you? And it's the same for the employee brand. The brand is not just the intentional stuff that we do. The brand is the everyday things that we do. And once it happens, the story will be told. And it's our duty to make sure that whatever happens, it happens with integrity. It happens the right way so that the story can be told the right way. Thank you very much for that. Aaron, let's go to you. Yeah, definitely. Honestly, Natasha, that was some fantastic points. And I actually want to piggyback on a couple of those in the sense of, you know, the good or the bad gossip, storytelling, you know, no matter what. um, I think that storytelling, the potential is in the extremes. And what I mean by that is whenever I think of a new idea or I'm being exposed to a new culture, a new concept, I say, what are the guardrails? Where is the absolute lowest and what's the absolute highest? And how do I find myself in the middle of that? Because that's how we, you know, we compare ourselves. We tell ourselves stories, right? When we compare it to other people, but also to figure out where our skill level is, et cetera, and also to find our potential. So I think one of the most interesting things of stories, talking all the way back to one of the first points that we made is the extreme of, hey, let me tell you about a little girl who ended up going uh, into space and tell the story of Sally Ride, and that inspires change. You know, we talked about uh, COVID and the pandemic, and all the stories that came out came in such droves. 
like Dr. Matthew was talking about the manager experience, it's becomes data points of, Hey, people are experiencing this. When you tell a story, you know, we talked about, um, peer, uh, interaction talking about employees and telling stories of employee success stories or something similar, or even the negative of, Hey, here's a story of an employee that definitely we did not want. So please try to avoid those, you know, aspects of that story. But I think that creates permission. You know, it says, hey, when you tell a story, you know, I don't give any speech where I don't tell my story. I start with my story, you know, because I have struggles and people relate to them. And it shows that I'm a human being. It shows my authenticity. And on that point, I think it gives people permission to then jump in with their own stories for positive or negative in the sense of, hey, you know, the story I'm telling myself, which Brene Brown says all the time. I saw a couple of comments of Brene Brown. I think that's probably a person we think of when we think of storytelling in the uh, IO world, or at least in the data-driven world, a storytelling researcher. But she uses the phrase, the story I'm telling myself. So when you sit and you say, hey, here's what I'm thinking, here's my story, somebody can come out with, oh, well, here's my perception. Here's my story that I'm telling myself. It comes all the way down to relationships, all the way at its core. And as Natasha mentioned, or as you mentioned, Tom, that social circle, that story circle can then be created when you bring more people together to perceive the same set of data, essentially, or at least uh, qualitative data in the sense of what's the employee culture. I think also with stories, automatically, Linda Ann was talking about something. um, I just don't know the exact trigger, but I wrote down the aspects of trust that come from character and competence. And so when you tell a story, you get your character. Your values are being shown in a story, whether you say, yeah, you know, uh, you use that example of I was driving on my parking lot and the dog came out. And I, so I slammed on the brakes. Others, you know, unfortunately might say, yeah, that dog's running in front of my car, but I'm going to work. You know, I hope it doesn't get hurt. And so your values come through in the way that you give your story. So I broke, you know, I hit the brakes uh, hard. So I did not, you know, harm this animal. And that shows your values, uh, even if that's not your intent. Even if it's just to share the experience, you're still displaying your character in that way. And so I think that potential comes out. Finally, uh, just to circle back, mentioning on like the pandemic, we talked in the um, in the chat, we mentioned something like, oh, it'd be interesting to have, I think it was Dr. Ariana said, it'd be cool to have like a set of stories for IO psychologists of, hey, what are your stories? Tell your story. And it made me think of, you know, the pandemic, everybody came out with, hey, here's our story. And it drives social change. You know, when we looked at, um, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion has been a big focus the last couple of years. Um, and I mean, hopefully for even longer and hopefully will not continue to be an issue in the future, but that's what we're working on, right? But it's because of all the stories coming out. You know, we look at stories these days of uh, neurodiversity. Well, we didn't have mental illness in my day. Well, we were learning more about it. We're hearing more stories. That's what drives our evolution is stories. And then as a final point, because, you know, I like to ramble as we all do, the final aspect is a story can drive you with towards passion. You know, we're either living in fear or leading with passion. And a story shows us that extreme potential of you can be anything you want to be. Here's an example of a person like you that accomplished something you want. On the flip side, if you say, hey, what, what do you want your story to be? And you and I are playing baseball and I say, I want to be the greatest football player. Then that also speaks to maybe you shouldn't be here. If that's the story you're crafting for yourself, you know, go get on the football team. So I think that's the power of stories is not just the connection, but the display of 
character and potential to drive change. Well, one thing you will find on WorkCookie is great storytellers. And Dr. Martha, let's go to you. Going back to what you said, Tom, is the fact that stories are always told. So even if an organization doesn't take the time and doesn't make any kind of attempt to use storytelling as part of their branding, to Natasha's point, stories are always told. And if the words that an organization is telling, even if they do take the time to have a a story as part of their branding, if their words are not congruent with their actions, to Natasha's point, then how long before somebody figures it out and points it out, right? And and, and that probably won't be a kind uh, type of pointing out of that lack of congruency. So it, there's a lot more to it than just finding a good storyteller coming up with a good story and telling it because if it doesn't match what's going on with your organization or what's going on with your product or how you're treating your customers, then those are empty words that eventually will will fall on deaf ears because people will figure it out. And for those organizations who are not interested in embracing storytelling as part of building their brand. To your point, Tom, stories are always told. Make sure you're listening because they may not be stories that you want to be told about you and your organization. Very, very true. And, and you know, I, I must say that I've, I've heard a number of professional speakers who tell great stories, but you leave, you know, their presentation going, great stories, but what was the point? What was I supposed to learn? Uh, so you got to keep aware of that. Uh, Nick, let's go to you. I think Dr. Martha just kind of hit on the point that I was kind uh, of thinking about is that when you become aware of storytelling, when we talk about being aware of your audience, we can tell with communication, there's that interplay between receiver, sender, and all of that. And if you're, you know, telling a story rather than giving the quarterly earnings, you're going to be able to kind of see the reactions to the crowd. So I think good storytelling has an element that's crucial to branding and, you know, taking care of people as an employer, which is listening. You're forced to listen. You listen to the reactions. If you, you know, get a laugh, you have to wait for it to die down before you can jump into the next point. If you, you know, hit an emotional moment, you hear somebody sobbing, you might want to take a pause and use the power of silence to let just kind of that moment take through. I don't know that there's, you know, a, there's probably thousands of corollaries of, of what that looks like in the organizational standpoint. But I think that that listening uh, component, you know, helps you tell better stories as you keep going through the cycle as well. Is it more than just like I'm hearing a lot about, you know, I always understanding the, you know, communication process where, you know, there's been sender receiver when I are crafting stories, do they have access to things such as uh, Fatag's triangle, which talks about how to construct a story? You know, there's an exciting incident, then this happens and that happens. It builds to a climax. Something major happens. And then we move to the denouement. Um, when you're crafting a story, you know, and when the story is important, I mean, you know, we tell stories all the time. You might not want to do this, you know, when you're telling your buddies about what happened last weekend. But when you're constructing those narratives for branding, do you really want to sort of look at some of those, you know, aspects of how scripting is done? I, absolutely. I think that, you know, part of it is, particularly with branding, it's intentionality. It's this is the story. This is the this is the face we want to put out in public. This is who we want to be for our employees. And so absolutely, I think you've got elements and factors that can be those those narrative points, the the hero's journey, all those sorts of this is how you build a compelling story. 
And you have to. And I think our tools are data and employee well-being and the impact that it has. And if we can't get people to see those, then we're just telling, you know, quaint stories that don't have impact. We have to show the application and how the, the so what of the message, you know, we get the, the what, so what, now what, um, you know, that is a pop- popular preaching sort of um, framework. So how do we get to the, the so what or, or how to get people to implement things? Yeah. And please share your passion. Uh, it works so well on stage. Uh, Linda Ann, let's go to you. So to um, what a couple of people have said about stories, I think that whatever stories we tell, they have to do two things. They have to be relevant, right? They have to, because we've all sat in those situations where someone tells stories frequently. They may not be good stories, but they tell stories frequently. Um, And so it's really important that it be relevant and relevant to that audience that you're targeting. You know, if you're, like in recruiting, if you're targeting an early career person and you're telling stories that are relevant to a late career person, then you've missed your mark, right? The other thing too is that it needs to, in my opinion, create some kind of emotional response. You need to be able to connect to it somehow emotionally. And there's some stories that I um, convey uh, often and every time I tell it, it creates an emotional response for me. And so it's important, I think, to really, that's where you connect with people. And to what um, Aaron was saying a minute ago, when you're looking for guardrails, here's the, it's typically your organizational values are your guardrails. And so that's why it's so important to have made sure that people understand your value system and that you function within that value system. Yeah, you always want to link the important things to your story. Uh, thank you very much for that, Linda. And Samuel, welcome to Work Cookie. Go ahead. Hello. Hello. Yes, thank you very much. Um, a little introduction. So I'm Samuel. I've probably not reached the levels that most of you on the call have reached, but um, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I have a bachelor's in psychology, and I learned IO psychology. And that is how I really got interested and passionate about, about IO. And um, I started following this call. I've been on this call sometimes, but I've been quiet. So <laughs> might not have seen me. Yes. So for me, I probably don't have the wealth of experience that you have. So I have questions for everybody on the uh, on, on the panel or like, is can I say this is a panel? Okay, on the call, yeah. Sure. So the first one is, um, uh, I am a subordinate, and I want to make strong cases to management. Maybe I've realized some IO issues, and I'm like, uh, can we engage an IO in this? Can we can we engage psychologists in this? How can I use storytelling to? Uh, create a very compelling um, proposal, a compelling case to to management. That's the first one. And then the second one is that um, if I have a negative story to tell, how can I tell that whilst uh, not putting my role at risk? Because I don't want to lose my role, but I also want to communicate something. And the story might be a negative one. How can I communicate it and still not put my role at risk? And then the third one is um, 
do you have any resources to share that I could uh, use to uh, develop or learn about storytelling, to develop my storytelling skills? So those are the questions I have for you. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for sharing your voice with us and, you know, uh, telling us a little bit about yourself and a little bit of a story. And I am sure there is lots of advice out there. And you're, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, if, I've said to CEOs, you know, if you have to go out on stage and make a presentation that starts with, we're cutting 50% of our work staff, make sure you got a good story <laughs> to go <laughs> along with it. Uh, because you don't yeah. want everyone, you know, walking out in that state of mind. Uh, so thank you very much. And Ryan, let's go to you. Okay, so uh, let's start with that first question. I wanted to weigh in on some of the other stuff we're talking about. But first, I want to tackle that question because I'm actually doing a presentation to, uh, this Saturday that involves the answer to that question, which is uh, an acronym SRR. It stands for Situation Recommendation Rationale. Uh, so whenever I'm crafting an email or a story, I will use this acronym. Uh, my mentor taught me this, and she's got way more experience in the I.O. field than I do. Um, basically, what it is, is if you're going to recommend something to somebody above you, you first write the situation, what's happening. Then you write down the recommendation, what you recommend. And generally, in recommending this, you'll have some idea of why you're doing it. But then just to make it extra clear, in the rationale section, you will say why you're doing it. And the why will have your story. The why of the story should involve um, the benefit of the uh, your, of your recommendation to the company, and if you can, uh, tailor it to the person you're speaking to or the decision maker that you're trying to influence. Generally speaking, in an organization, the at least one of the people you're going to be trying to influence with any decision is somebody in the finance department because they have to approve whatever changes you're trying to make. So in your why, try to make it about profit if you can. Um, if not, some of the general tried and true ones that make people um, that influence people to go through course of action are increased productivity, performance, engagement, um, profitability, and shareholder value. Try to incorporate those. Um, the other one for um, I, it was it was your second question. I don't remember it exactly, um, but it was um, oh negative story, sharing a negative story. So one of the first things that you want to do is not assign blame to other people take responsibility for the parts that are within your control but then also create a course of action or a solution that you come to them with ideally where you are part of the solution so together with the taking responsibility you make yourself part of the solution and you're not just trying to say look it was my fault but i need somebody else to fix it now you're you are you acknowledge that you have power to change it but you also acknowledge that uh, you're going to play a role in the solution. I don't remember the, the third question. Um, what was the third question, Simone? Yeah, the third question was, was on resources to for developing storytelling uh, skills. Um, I'm not sure exactly. I would honestly just say watch good storytellers. Um, and then while you're watching them, you can write down on the side the framework of a story, like the inciting incident, uh, the call to action, uh, the uh, building tension, whatever they call it, the climax and the new equilibrium. So for a company, this might be like, we started this company because we realized that people were overcharging for insulin medication. So you have the the reason, the call to action and the inciting incident. Uh, maybe it's, oh, I had somebody in my life who died because they couldn't get life-saving medication. So we started this company and we struggled and we struggled. We faced 
this these huge pharmaceutical companies and now we are we are where we are today and we're giving medication to people at a far reduced price and we're saving lives so that's a story right and you can look at people's stories and kind of um deconstruct them into their separate parts and then fill out your own story using those parts um the other thing that i want to say about stories re related to what we talked about earlier is Sometimes people will be so concerned with trying to include everybody and influence everybody with their story that their story isn't specific enough. When you tell a story that is specific to you, you will alienate some people. Your story is not going to be for everybody. You know, it goes back to that one expression. If you're trying to impress everybody, you're going to impress nobody. If everyone is your audience, you don't have an audience. Okay, so you have to risk alienating people with your story. The other thing I wanted to say is that we need to focus as much on content and ethics, telling our story ethically as much as charisma. I think we've all seen some people on social media as influencers who put all their points into charisma, but very little into content. You'll see people, and this is this is where the temptation gets tough because you'll see people in the comments saying, oh my God, that's so insightful. And you're like, what did they actually say here? You know, they said a lot of nice sounding nothings. So when we tell our story, we need to make sure that there's content as well as charisma. And then finally, when we're telling the story as a leader to our company, we need to make sure that there is enough psychological safety for people to critique our story. I think we've all seen big corporations tell a story, and maybe they're a great place to work, but they tell the story about like, we're a social movement. We're doing this, that, the other. And you're like, you're a Kleenex company, okay? Like, y'all might be a great place to work, but I'm not buying this story. When I talk to people who work at your, your company, they're not buying this story. So what is your actual story here? You know, there needs to be enough psychological safety for people to critique and adjust the story as needed. Thank you very much. You know, Ryan, I, I think there's a CBOC workshop in your future. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I'll just mention, too, that um, if you're looking for an interesting resource, Stephen King, who writes very scary books, uh, he wrote a book called On Writing. And the first hundred pages um, are really good and explain how he deals with writing. Uh, Lee, let's go to you. You know, one thing in business, well, in life in general, but especially in business, is context matters. And if you don't fill in the blanks, your listener will. So, you know, let's, let's well, the, somebody just said, uh, Randy said earnings. So if I'm going to give earnings, well, I can just give you numbers and then you can draw your own conclusions which may or may not be flattering to me, but there's context I can give. So maybe our earnings weren't as high this, this quarter, <clears throat> but there's valid good reasons for that. Maybe maybe we had a growth initiative, and so we some of that money went to growth initiative. Maybe, uh, maybe there was a hurricane, and we made the decision to uh, provide relief to people in that community, whatever the case may be, that reduced that. Well, that, that could be a very compelling story, and... As you put that forward, people are like, oh, yeah. That so now you have taken something that could be seen as very, very negative, and you put the and it's not even spin. I mean, it's context. Be be careful. There is a difference between context and spin. Spin will get you in trouble because there's the internet is forever. People are waiting to fact check you. So, but context is different. Um, also, you can provide context as opposed to excuses. You know, people don't care why it happened. Don't. Don't complain about it. And actually, this goes back to some of the questions that, that Samuel had. If you're going to come in and you're going to get bad news, make sure that it is contextualized properly. Make sure that when you go in, you are not focused on the negative. 
because every story has a positive. I mean, you, I can't think of one off the top of my head that doesn't have a positive in some way. Now you may have to dig. I'm not going to lie. You may need a bit, you may need a, 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 you know, industrial equipment to get to it, but there is a positive in there. And if nothing else, it's, we learn not to do this again, but the, the, the approach that you have to take there when you're dealing with the, with these not so great things is don't focus on the negative event, focus on the result. You know, what, what was the resulting lesson that we learned? What was the improvement that we made? What is the opportunity that was open for us to do things differently? You know, even in some of these really, really, really bad PR things, um, you know, like Natasha brought up earlier with, you know, behavior in the workplace, if there's harassment or something like that, that's a negative thing. But what did we learn from that? How do we improve from that? You know, don't just focus on, oh my God, it was so terrible. It was, but we took care of that. We removed that individual. We changed that paradigm. We've rearranged things, whatever the case may be. And these are the resulting things that we have learned and we are doing to make things better. You know, we've, we got the message. We understand we are going to make it better. We are making it better. So that's where you, you need to focus those things because, you know, you know, the pitchforks and the torches will come out really fast if you don't couch it properly. So, yeah, they, they certainly will. And, and yeah, everybody gets fax checks these days. Uh, we're getting down to about six minutes left. Imani, let's go to you. Thank you, guys. Um, really learned a lot through this whole storytelling thing. But to me, storytelling is so close to me, so much so because I've experienced it while growing up in Africa. And uh, now I'm seeing it trying to get into organizations. And maybe I just had a few things to say since we have um, a few minutes left. But I think organizations have to, to be creators. They have to create the stories within organizations towards their employees. I think one of the people who do it, one of, someone mentioned that you have to create the whole um, psychological self, how you treat your employees is going to be able to amplify you outside of your office. So I would like to relate with what I've experienced while growing up. To me, my people, my ancestors, as close as to my grandfather, because I didn't grow up with my parents, I grew up with my grandfather, they use stories to dis for discipline. The things he did with me lasted with me. When he wanted to keep me in line, he could tell a story, hold me by my hand, and take me there. So I, he kind of like, I saw what he narrated everything to me. So I think organization in this manner, they have to be, I'm just going to say my grandfather in that way. You're going to be in organizations. You want to, as a leader or as the organizations, obviously we are in a workplace. We're not going to have to be dilly dallying around with all emotions and empathy and stuff. We have to be strategic while telling these stories within organizations. So to really motivate and keep these employees learn and to for the employees to have the discipline to work within the means that you want to increase the performance, I think you have to be creators. So one of the things I think I'm going to say is when telling stories, you have to have a hook. And one of the hooks I'm going to have as an example is psychological safety, how you treat your employees. You're going to hook them up. Somebody talked about good salary. And then you're going to have to establish connection with these employees. How you uh, leaders, really, uh, employee, how you have relationship, how you engage with employees within organizations. And then you're going to have to inspire and motivate 
in terms of even adversities within or anything that happens within organizations, you're going to have to really tell a story. From now, you're going to have to bring in a little bit of vulnerability and show them how you dealt with a situation that they're facing. They say change. How you dealt with a situation, somebody, an employee who's not able to really uh, have something going for something that is a challenge to them. When you come in and show them how you dealt with it and then you're inspiring them. That, and that's like a you never know how you're inspiring somebody. It could be something somebody is gonna is gonna stick with somebody and they're gonna be out there to tell on your brand, to build your brand. And then when telling stories, you have to have an end. All good stories come to an end, but then also how you're ending, you have to end strong. You like somebody say you don't have to be saying something negative. When I was being told stories, we were told even the negative things. They could traumatize the heck out of us. I can get personal, by the way, and say, when I was growing up as a girl, they never even told me to be, I would just say, to sleep around. They just held my hand and they took me to my uncles who were sick with AIDS at the very last bed, you know, death of bed. And like, this is what happens. So to me, I knew better. I, I, I knew, I'm like, I'm not messing around. You know, so I'm just, I just go personal a little bit with that because I just wanted to show you that they could take us to the negative end as well, but then they would also make a comeback and they will tell you if you do this in a different way, this is how positively it's going to be for you. So you have an end and it has to be very strong. You have to end strong and in motivating somebody. If somebody, let's say, for example, is having um, an issue at workplace, the, their performance is going down. How are you going to make it strong with them? You know, you can personalize it, show them or tell them, this is how I, I, I think I've been through something of the same situation. Even if it's two different things, what connects us at the end of the day, we all have same emotions. I've had a client, I mean, I'm an emotional support counselor. I've had a client who came online and I was counseling them. They were terribly crying. And they told me that story. I was listening. I was just using the nonverbal communication. You know how much you go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can never tell who's speaking to you. But when I started talking to them, they stopped and were like, oh, no. Uh, where did you come from? I told them I'm, I originally come from Africa. I was, you know, very true to where I come from. So he's like, oh, I can't, obviously, I know you have a lot to deal with because you guys in Africa deal with a lot and stuff. So I I kind of like, like have, let her finish and have a moment. Then I told her, mom, yes, I come from Africa and that's what built my resilience. And that's what even motivates me to be on this line to be able to serve you. And then I told her that me being a, me sleeping on an empty stomach and you coming here, I was, let me just give an example. You coming here and crying over your boyfriend dumping you at the end of the day, we are both hurting. When you cry and I'm crying, we are both happy. When you're happy and I'm happy, we are both celebrating. We're having that, you know, high emotions that are really making us happy. So the connection in anything that we're going to be telling stories at the end of the day is going to be on how we get back to the grounds of emotions, of happiness. You know, taking taking people through the negative part, you're really provoking the emotion in a certain way to really know what it is. And then when you take them through the positive uh, emotions, they're really getting inspired. So you just have to know, regardless of what story you want to tell, what is it that you want to do? and then emulate that and then also one thing i've seen that is going to really put us down that is really going to put us down the drain that i've seen the media really spoiling the stories for us i've seen the the celebrities or the social influencers spoiling all this thing for us 
not being authentic while saying the, the storytelling. So storytelling are easily going to take a turn to be um, something we call grooming, and it's a negative thing. So somebody, because they have um, selective bias, they're coming up to groom, and they're intentionally grooming. They're taking advantage of a pair's emotions. And that's a very bad thing to do in storytelling because when people eventually catch up, they don't now want to listen anymore. So like we have seen the media, all of you have experienced the media. Media, by the way, they storytell, news tell, storytell. They will tell you something today, morning time. They will do a developing story, lunchtime. You're hooked. You want to know what happened next. They're on your emotions. But if they negatively use it in terms of grooming, that's where everything is going to go wrong. So that's all I have to say about storytelling. That's how much I wanted to get personal with it. It's so dear to me because I actually grew up on the fires, we were around the fires. And yeah, that's what I had to share with the organizations. Building as a brand, you have to create the stories, create your mini use within these employees, inspire them, motivate them, have hooks within the storytelling, and then let them be the ones to go out there to tell the story for you. Well, thank you for sharing some really good stories with us, Amani. And, you know, although I, I, I did have the thought, you know, it's fascinating with me with traditional stories. Like if we look at the Grimm's Brothers fairy tales, which are now bedtime stories, that's not the way they started out. You know, Little Red Riding Hood was not about some young girl taking goodies to her grandmother. It was about something else. Uh, so stories themselves adapt and change over time. Uh, so, Dr. Ariane, we are out of time. Um once again, what a fascinating conversation. Is is there anything we missed or any points you want to bring up before we go? I don't think we missed anything. I think it was a very powerful conversation. It was great to hear from so many different speakers and IO and HR professionals. So thank you all for joining us. I think some of my main takeaways today are don't ever forget about the power of emotion, but balance that with your ethics as well. So you're not unnecessarily triggering people's emotional reactions and not considering the ethics and values behind it. And with that, it kind of ties into making sure that your organizational culture is also standing behind the story that you're telling. So you're not providing a false narrative that is not going to be substantiated by your own employees or customer experience. So hopefully we can all continue to think about the stories that are true to our organizations and leverage that as we go into the future. Great advice. And just a reminder that there are other CBOC uh, information sessions coming up. I see we've got an IO Psychology Job Seekers Meetup on November 6th. That's going to go from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, the next day on November 7th is a CBOC Momentum Session. Uh, that one is bright and early at 10 a.m. to 10.30 Eastern. Uh, the IO Psychology Rocky Mountain U.S. Regional IO Psychology Virtual Meetup. Linda Ann, you must be involved with that one. Um, that is going to happen on November 7th as well from 6 to 7 p.m. And then we have the next uh, podcast we'll be doing is the Design Thinking and Talent Acquisition, Crafting Memorable Candidate Journeys. That sounds fascinating. And that will be next Thursday from uh, 12 noon Eastern to 1 p.m. Eastern. And so with that, we hope everyone has a great weekend and we will see a great week and we will see you in one week's time. And so that's Dr. Ariana, if you want to count us out. We will see everyone in one week's time. Bye, everyone. Three, two, one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C dot com to engage with our community. 
gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? At seabock.com.